This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. And Rick, we have some new rules for today's podcast. New rules. We've got some new rules. I'm just going to sketch these things out. And these are important rules. Yeah. Um, if you don't like the rules, that's tough. If you violate the rules, I'm taking away your podcast hard pass. That is pretty rough. Well, can I have a follow-up question, John? No. Hey, oh. stay. <laughs> Wait a minute. You, you may ask. You may <laughs> ask for a follow So, Rick, new rules. New I'm going to get into these rules. I'm going to tell you what the rules are. I'm going to explain there, there will be a procedure once I rule that you have violated a rule. You can ask me to. Uh, uh, you can you can ask for an appeal, and I will tell you that why I have denied your appeal. That sounds like uh, that sounds like a fair trade. So, John, are, 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 before we get into the rules, are you going to follow them? What do you know? Uh, we have we well, we'll get into that in a second. But first of all, we have a lot to talk about on this special pre-Thanksgiving issue of the Powerhouse Politics podcast. Um, believe it or not, there are still votes being counted in this country. We will know. The extent of the blue wave, uh, or lack of a blue wave, or however you want to characterize it, I, I'll let you do the characterization. You are the political director, as you remind us all the time, Rick. Indeed. Um, but we have we have a uh, we, we've got Mary Bruce is going to join us and give us the latest, the very latest on the battle uh, to become the Speaker of the House. And Nancy Pelosi, will she or won't she? Uh, we have a presidential turkey pardon, or possibly two turkeys. I guess is that what happened. Um, and uh, we've got, we're going to talk about Ivanka's emails. But you asked about the rules. What are you talking about? Well, I'd like to know now that um, there's a certain journalist whose press credentials have been restored. He that, who shall not be named. That, that fight on the powerhouse been, politics. The fight podcast. has been resolved between uh, a certain network and a certain uh, White House press corps. Uh, the, the White House has put in these new rules that govern presidential press conferences. So, John, walk us through what this means for you. When you're sitting there, you have an opportunity to ask the question, what are the rules that the White House is telling you that you have to follow? I don't know what you mean. You mean ru- new rules? Rules, regulations, you know, governing philosophies, perhaps, due process and the, and the like. What, is, what, what, is, what do you know about what happens next time you, ask, you want to ask a question to the president? Can you ask? I don't like the – you said rules. I, I, so here's what I know, and I'll be very serious yeah. and direct about this, is uh, there was a lawsuit – well, there was an effort by the White House to ban a certain correspondent – uh, that correspondence network sued to undo that, which was totally appropriate. It's ridiculous to, for the first time uh, in in the modern era, revoke a uh, you know re- re- revoke a, a pass to the White House and actually ban a reporter uh, because you don't like the way they're acting in in, in the uh, at a press conference. But anyway, um, as part of the uh, uh, the White House eventually backed down uh, that certain reporter has been given back his hard pass, um, which allows him into the White House grounds. Uh, but in writing that specific reporter, the White House outlined what they called new rules, informing him of new rules. Um, that was then shared with uh, the White House 
press corps, but this was kind of like a letter to that certain reporter. I'm not sure these are new rules. Okay, all right. If uh, John Carl, can you spoken, remind me what what the rules were as described uh, to my that certain reporter? My understanding is that um, when you're called on for a question, you get one question, not multiple questions. Uh, and should the question go on and answer it in some in some way, you relinquish the microphone because you're not uh, permitted to ask a, a follow up question of any sort. Have I got that about right? Hey, Rick, um, you've seen me at press conferences, right? Yes, yes, I have. Have you ever seen? That's a follow up question, John. I'm going to have to rule that out of order. <laughs> that's not going to be that's not going to be appropriate here. Have you ever seen me not ask a follow up question? Uh no. I cannot recall. Um, uh, I, I do recall a certain exchange where you asked the president if he talked to Bob Mueller, and that seemed like it was a clear enough answer. One hundred percent. Yes, he I don't would. think I don't yeah. think you needed the follow up that time. Yeah. But maybe short of that, uh, yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. Um, so, um, first of all, uh, the White House Correspondents Association put out a statement saying uh, that they had absolutely nothing to do with the uh, crafting of this letter to Jim Acosta that included, you called them, what'd you call them? Rules. 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 Um, so absolutely no role in that. Um, this was in a court filing. I don't see this as a uh, as, as an official, what'd you call them again? I don't remember. It's, okay. it's already gone out of my mind. Um, so as long as there have been White House press conferences there have been reporters asking follow-up questions. That is not going to change, Rick Klein. Well, I just hope that you have a hard pass next time we have a next time we have a podcast. Uh, <laughs> well, like I said, Fingers there will crossed. be new rules for this <laughs> podcast. Uh, but look, um, I mean, that is that is, you know, a- any reporter worth his or her salt has to listen to the answer and be prepared to ask a follow-up question based on the answer. Uh, that doesn't mean you get into a wrestling match with uh, a, a White House staffer over a microphone. It doesn't mean you start yelling at the president. It doesn't mean you have a right to ask the president 15 questions. It doesn't mean that you stand up and challenge the president and debate the president. But it means that when there is a press conference, when you are called on, you ask a question, you listen to the answer, and you are fully prepared uh, to ask a follow-up, um, which is almost always the appropriate thing to do. All right. Duly noted. John Carl, violating the rules already. We'll see how that goes. But, and, I, and I will tell you, Rick, I mean, you and I have had an ongoing conversation. I mean, I believe that reporters are there to ask tough questions, to get the news, to try to break some news from time to time, to report the news. We are not there to make a scene and to, uh, you know, make, make, make a show of confronting the president. But that doesn't mean that we shy from asking questions that make the president uncomfortable and absolutely ask follow-ups. Do your job. I agree. Okay. Well, that's good. Now that we dispense to that, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the new rules later. But um, first of all, Rick, as, as I mean, we have so much. To, I want to get to the Ivanka emails. Don't worry. We're going to get to the Ivanka emails. But I want to talk about what's going on uh, with, with the last uh, races that are still outstanding and in the big race that is yet to come, the race to speaker. And, if, and we have, just while we were talking about the new rules, we had somebody walk into the Powerhouse Politics studio, our spacious studio here at the ABC Washington Bureau. Uh, I think arguably the single best reporter on Capitol Hill. I don't think there's arguably? anybody... I don't think there's anybody. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody even close. Um, but we have Mary Bruce. Mary Bruce, thank you for joining us. Hey, gang! Thanks for having me. And you are the senior 
um, congressional correspondent. Yes. Um, so you're going to ask me to do math. I can already yeah, yeah. tell by the look <laughs> on some, your face, John Carl. <laughs> do some math. So, so where are we? How many seats have the uh, the Democrats picked up as of this moment? All right, math pop quiz. I came prepared. You see, my look at that. She's got notes. Here. Mary I got, Bruce I got numbers is in the studio with I'm notes. out of fingers to count on. By our count, right? Democrats now are at 232. Which, if you're doing math, which I'm going to try to do right now, means that Nancy Pelosi could afford to lose 14 in her race for the gavel right now. There are 16 members and potentially one would-be member who have said that no way, no how are they ever going to sign on to support Nancy Pelosi. Okay. Can I, do you mind if I ask a follow-up? 16 is more than 14, yes. So we have, we have the letter with 16 names. But weren't there several other incoming members who said that they would not support potentially, Pelosi but did not sign the letter? And I'm glad you bring that up. There are more. So by our count, you have roughly 20 Members who've said Math they will not. Math is getting trickier. But the bottom line is whether it's 16 or 20, that number is more than she can afford to lose. So right now, the math is not in Nancy Pelosi's favor. She, The gavel is at risk. But the big important but here is that no one has still come forward to dare formally challenge Nancy Pelosi. And if you talk to Nancy Pelosi, and we've been asking her the same question, she's so sick of being asked about the speakership, she continues to just ooze confidence. She claims she has the votes. We know that Nancy Pelosi, no one's better than whipping votes than her. She's bringing out the big guns or big political allies. Everyone's making calls. She's confident she's going to get there. And so you have all these members, you know, raising a lot of concerns. A lot of these people, of course, ran on the platform of Never Nancy, but no one's coming forward to say, I'm going to take you down. So I know Rick's dying to get in here, but I do have uh, maybe one or two more follow-ups. Uh, the president weighed in. Um, he's, uh, he's offering to lend a hand. Yes. Yeah. Uh, first of all, fully endorsed Nancy yeah. Pelosi, which I'm sure I'm she sure is very helpful. Say, I'm sure. Um, and he even said that there would be Republicans who would offer the votes, and he mentioned Tom Reed mm-hmm. of uh, New York? New York. Okay. Um, I'm sure Tom Reed appreciated that. Um, <laughs> but uh, is there any scenario that Republicans would actually offer the votes to get her up to 218? So I asked Pelosi this very question. Is she willing to accept the president's kind offer? Could she see a scenario in which she would accept Republican support to get to the gavel? Uh, she barely let me get the question out of my mouth before she said, no, 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 never. So I don't think that's wait, wait, what exactly that the so path she, she would she turn down the votes if, some, if a Republican. I voted think that's on the... a strong uh, thanks, but absolutely no thanks. So mm. she envisions a way that she can get there without the help of Republicans. There, you know, there are lots of different ways you can maneuver this. One thing that that strikes me as interesting that Nancy Pelosi hasn't answered yet, and we did ask her that she kind of skirted it a little bit, but whether she's committed to being Speaker through 2020. Is there a situation in which she would be speaker now and then perhaps relinquish the position down the road that would allow some of these members who said they would never support Pelosi to, to support someone else before you get into the next election cycle? So there are, you know, that's politics. There are always ways to kind of finagle this. Uh, but right now, it seems Pelosi's first of all, the only one in the race. And she's very, very confident that it is hers to lose. I mean, you heard her say any would be challengers uh, come on in. The water's warm. She's she seems to be enjoying this a little bit. The deals to be cut here, clearly, Barry. And, and there's there's a couple of different scenarios here. You have to remember there's not just one vote for speaker. There's a there's a, a first the, the whole caucus votes and all you need is a majority there. No one is doubting whether she gets the majority. She's going to be the Democratic choice. The question then becomes, would these 16 or so House members, plus whoever didn't sign the letter, actually vote for 
Kevin McCarthy for House Speaker and make the Republican House Speaker. That's I'm a guess no. That's a bluff. I feel like Pelosi's okay with calling. It's also possible, not a lot of people know this, I know Mary and John know this, but you don't actually need 218. You need a majority of those present and voting. So a couple could decide not to vote, decide to do something else with their time, maybe attend a protest if you're Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, do anything other than show up on the House floor that day, and, and you get the math there. And then the intriguing thing, I think you're right. When you talk about deals, you're talking about committee assignments, you're talking about um, specific promises around legislation sometime in the in the term. You're also talking about uh, the potential for Nancy Pelosi to say, I'm only going to do this for two years. And she told the LA Times about a month ago that she considered herself a transitional figure. Now, Robert Draper in the New York Times Magazine has a great profile, spent a lot of time with Nancy Pelosi. We like Draper here at the Powerhouse she, Politics One podcast. of the best. One of the best. You got a lot of time with Pelosi. And, 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 and he asked her about this. And in classic Pelosi style, she's not going to negotiate through the pages of the New York Times Magazine. She says, well, aren't we all sort of transitional figures, right? It's hey, a, it's, yeah. it's an existential thing, you're, right? You're a transitional co-host, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, wow, wow. <laughs> there, his heart pass goes again. Just these threats he has. So Pelosi, Pelosi is going to – she knows how to do this thing. And I don't know anyone, Mary, who thinks that Nancy Pelosi won't be the Speaker of the House. She's, no. she's got this thing. It's just a question of getting there. And the, the fact that the Democrats had a bigger night than anticipated, the fact that we're talking about close to 40 seats when they only needed 23, it kind of takes a lot of wind out of the sails of those who say we need someone else. Yeah, and Nancy Pelosi knows how to get this done. I mean, I don't think I've talked to anyone who thinks that she's not going to be speaker. It's just a matter of how she gets there. There's a lot of fun drama around all of this. And as you mentioned, a lot of these members, it'll be our first question after the holidays. They certainly could just show up and say, vote present. Right. Vote, hey, I'm here. Oh, let's all go get lunch. And that way we can say we didn't support Nancy Pelosi. But oh, well, she she, she got the gavel anyways. Um and she, you know, is well aware of, of their lead. She's well aware of the fact that maybe she can just kind of help the party regain control here. She can kind of lead them uh, down the path for the next year or two and then hand off the gavel to someone else, be that transitional figure. It, 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 there is, you know, I don't know if this is necessarily the message that Democrats wanted to send right out the gate. If you, you know, they're back in control. They, they've won the House, it seems, by, you know, what you could argue is that wave after all, if they're getting close to 40 seats. And to be starting straight out the gate with this kind of, you know, fighting within the party, it's not what a lot of Democrats want. It's probably not what Nancy Pelosi wanted, but this is also the state of the party. Uh, you know, as as uh, as we've heard said, the Democrats can tend to be a little bit uh, a little bit disorganized. Just a little bit. Um, can, can we talk, Mary, about the one big runoff that's still out there? And I think mm. this is really going to grow in in our mind's eye in the in the coming days. Mississippi. This isn't a runoff. It's, a, it's an unusual set of circumstances where actually the first round of voting was held on Election Day. There were two major Republican candidates, both of whom were claiming allegiance to President Trump. The Republicans split the vote. So a Republican, who's the incumbent Senator Cindy Highsmith, is advancing to the runoff against the Democrat, Mike Espy, former Clinton cabinet secretary, former congressman, African-American, uh, running here in Mississippi, next door to Alabama. A uh, lot of things kind of going in Republicans' favor in Mississippi. I don't think you have to explain that. The senator there, though, has kind of made things interesting and made a series of comments that have kind of opened the door for Democrats to say how important this is. President Trump's going to be there right on the eve of the election. Mary, are you picking up any rumblings about Democrats either optimistic about Mississippi or at least saying, look, this is a place that we have to make a big statement? I think just the fact that you have Democrats even talking about the potential of a possible upset in Mississippi, this is a place where, you know, all conventional wisdom says Democrats shouldn't even 
have a chance. And the fact that you have, you know, Kamala Harris has been down there. Cory Booker has been down there. I mean, this is all, you know, very much related to the candidates here. You have Hyde Smith, who has come out and said uh, a few things that have really raised the stakes on race, on on voting rights. Uh, She's gotten a lot of negative attention for it. We just saw Walmart earlier today who had donated to her campaign now now, now pulling that funding back. Uh, So it it certainly gives Democrats some optimism. I don't know how much uh, you can read into this in the bigger picture because so much of this is, I think, tied to the comments that that Hyde Smith has made in recent days. But just the fact that you've got, you know, Democrats kind of eyeing it is pretty remarkable. Look, this is absurd. You're you're saying you think that the, the, the Democrats could win in Mississippi? That is as crazy as saying that they could win a Senate seat in, let's say, Alabama. Ah, I mean, ah. I mean I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, look, I, look and, well, so so so. How re- remind us, Rick, the, the the margin on election, and of course, I'm sure uh, the Republican Party is very grateful to uh, to McDaniel, uh, 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 Bannon, uh, protege uh, for 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 running in in that race and 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 keeping Hyde Smith uh, uh, below fifty percent. But re- remind us what the margin was on election day. I'm glad you asked that question. Well, I'm impressed if you're so, really going to have this just off the tip of your tongue, man. So this Cindy, is, this is, this is Hyde good. Cindy Hyde-Smith uh, won by only about 5,000 votes over Mike Espy. Uh, th- so it's a 41 to 40 margin right there. Okay, but now all those votes for McDaniel, who was the third candidate in the race, who was running to the right of Hyde-Smith. That's right. Those are probably not Mike Espy votes. Well, and that's that's the issue, is that, is that that include... That included Chris McDaniel getting 16% of the vote. And in the exit polls, we asked the question, uh, who would you vote for in the second round? And it would, it would seem, if you play that out, that Hyde Smith is going to win by 20 points or so. Uh, but but we've had not... all these gaff after gaff after gaff. And this election is the Tuesday after Thanksgiving weekend. You've got to ask people to go and vote. And, and the attention, the energy really has been so far on the Democratic side. I think that's why you see President Trump making two stops there on the eve of the election. This is not the kind of place that, that Republicans want to worry about. And, and look, John, we've, we've had Tom Perez on this show before. He's out there talking about how Democrats can compete everywhere. We can run and win everywhere. We're going to be on the ground everywhere. Start in Mississippi. Go make it happen. That's that's the charge for Democrats. That's why you're seeing some of the 2020 contenders buy into this. And they recognize that, yeah, the, the big election didn't go their way in Senate races, went their way in House races. But when you have these opportunities, uh, the, the margins are going to be that close. And you've got to at least show that you can do it. And by the way, for these 2020ers that are looking down the road, uh, African-American support is going to be critical for any 2020 map. That's what every strategist will tell you. Uh, they got to show that they can make it happen, again, even in places they're not supposed to. And if SP pulls out a miracle... You'd have two former Clinton cabinet secretaries uh, in the in the uh, as, as freshman members of the Congress, one in the House, one in the Senate, with with Donna Shalala. I mean, it's uh, it's 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 fascinating. So we we have some other races outstanding. Uh, right before we came on, uh, do you call it on the air when you're on a podcast? Yes. Uh, right, right before we came on the air, we were talking about the Mia Love race, where Mia Love looked down on on election day. The president kind of kicked her while she was down the day after. And then we saw Mia Love go back up as they continued to count votes. But now, what's happened? Well, now it seems the the Democrat uh, Ben McAdams is back up, but only by what are we like six, seven hundred votes? I mean, this it, every day it seems to go up, down, up, down, up, down. Where are they getting these votes, by the way? Yeah, is it saw, trucking them saw, in from saw, uh, saw Georgia? Salt Lake City or, uh... came, came around. It seems for for the Democrat a little bit. They were you know recounting all of these, but it uh, <laughs> it will be interesting to see whether the president's. Uh, 
sort of finger wagging at, at Mia Love proves to be true or not. Whether Mia Love will come back and say, I didn't need your love, Mr. President. I mean, if or she whether, wins, it would be pretty good because the president's be already wild. like, you know. It would be pretty wild. But right now it does seem that the Democrat is going to pull their, at least right now, is ahead, which would be interesting because then that would get Democrats closer to Rick Klein's 40, which more importantly than anything else, I believe... That was my give, prediction. Though. No, you were 50, John Carl. <laughs> Get out of here. Wait, 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 it would wait, give wait, wait, wait Rick a Klein bragging rights in this uh, bit. It would be the ultimate victory. I, I think I think for we can... For you or for, for me. No, for me. For me. For me. How many other seats are outstanding? How many can they can they pick up here? Uh, I think the ceiling for them looks like it's around 39, which I think is basically So 40. you were wrong. I mean, it's basically were... 40. So, but think about the, the symbolism of losing, of losing me a love, what that would mean. First of all, the only African-American woman... Uh, in the Republican delegation in the House, uh, uh, their their number of women is actually down overall, despite this big pink wave among Democratic women. Which is amazing. If you you know just walking through the halls of Congress in this last week, it is you can really tell the difference. I mean, those hallways for a long time have felt very white, very old. A long time, like a long forever. time forever. Yeah. Uh, and now to have on the Democratic side such diversity, so many young new faces that do not look like any faces we've ever seen up there before, and on the Republican side. You know, really, it feels, you know, the same even a step backwards if you're losing uh, diversity on that side is just, you know, quite a, a chasm. And it's Utah. It's Utah. Think about what the the, the signal that would send about this Democratic. This is Mitt uh, Romney's victory. Utah. Mitt Romney's rock red Republican Utah. And and Mia loves on a lot of separators. We know that Trump was not very popular in Utah and was one of one of his weaker states. But Mia Love has her own brand. And if Mia Love is swept out, you're talking about not just Democratic victories in New York, in New Jersey, in California, but outside Houston and outside Dallas and outside Oklahoma City and outside Kansas City and, yes, outside Salt Lake City. That is a resounding statement about the president's unpopularity in big swaths of the suburbs. All right, let's turn, before we run out of time here, to Ivanka Trump's emails, the issues raised there. But first, Trevor Hastings is saying we have to take a very quick break. Do you spend the night tossing and turning? Are you dealing with a stiff neck and back for months? If you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a Purple Mattress. The Purple Mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses a new material developed by an actual rocket scientist. The Purple Mattress feels very unique because it's both firm and soft, so it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable, so it sleeps cool. Try your Purple Mattress with a 100-night risk-free trial, and if you're not fully satisfied, you can return it for a full refund. Your Purple Mattress is backed by a 10-year warranty, free shipping, and returns. You're going to love Purple, and right now our listeners will get a free Purple Pillow with the purchase of a mattress. Just text POWERHOUSE to 474747. The only way to get this free pillow is to text POWERHOUSE to 474747. Message and data rates may apply. And welcome back to Powerhouse Politics. Um, the, the, other, the other story that's gotten quite a bit of attention here is the uh, Ivanka Trump apparently was using some personal email to use official government business. How could this she is... know that's wrong, though, John? I mean, she was new to government, right? Yeah, so, I, mean, I mean, she's brand new. She's never done this before. Who knew that using your private arcane rules frowned upon, rarely discussed? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just this is this this seems like it's just a you know a media moment. I don't know. I don't know what else. Is yeah, going this is on like here, gotcha kind of situation. So this is interesting, though, John. There was reporting on this um, upwards of a year ago that that it happened. What's changed now is that we've started to see these emails. Uh, they don't appear to be 
sensitive in nature. They don't appear to have been confidential. But the, 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 the regulations on this are very, very clear. And I do recall a certain issue in the presidential campaign. Oh, right. Hillary campaign. Clinton had a thing with yeah, this, right? Butter emails, butter emails. Yeah. It, it just it, it is remarkable that, that this could be an issue. It also makes me think, John, I mean, all these things that are flying by uh, that that are we're sort of used to them being just kind of the noise of the day in, in Trump's Washington. Once Democrats have the House, they're going to have hearings on things like this. All of these things. And they're going to be like they're going to have the discovery. They're going to be subpoenaing stuff yes, like this. And we're going to be exactly. reading these emails. I uh, still don't think that the Trump White House is recognizing the gravity of that. that we I don't are think they've six quite, months, uh, aw- six weeks away. But, from but, that but can we just be clear? Because I, I do want to be let's be fair. First of all, this is colossally politically stupid. OK, I mean, my God, after a campaign <laughs> where, where emails were such a central issue. To not come in and say, look, I'm not touching my personal email. We're, we're going all official. Um, right? I mean, you're well, with me on the, this. The tone deaf factor yeah, is yeah. huge. But do they get that? I mean, to Rick's point, you're you're over there quite yeah. a bit these days, right? I mean, do they yeah, no, understand yeah. that these things, these, <laughs> for now, these things that, that, that just sort of seem as like, oh, come on, how could they not see this coming? That I mean, Democrats are literally chomping at the bit. Like, all of a sudden, you get the sense like, okay, add that to the list, add this to the list. I mean, the list is massive. Okay, but but two points. One, first of all, Democrats can way overplay their hands on this. We've seen Republicans yes. do it. So, uh, you know, be careful what you wish for in terms of the uh, the investigation mania. Secondly, on the email issue itself, obviously, ridiculously politically tone deaf, no question. Um, but let's be very clear: this is entirely different uh, from what happened with Hillary Clinton, who had her own email server, who did all of her government email work with her private email, who did not preserve any of those emails, send them over under the under the records uh, re- requirements of the federal government until after the New York Times started reporting on the story and said, okay, well, let me delete a whole bunch of them and I'll give you a whole bunch. Um, they're supposed to be preserved under the, under the Records Act. Uh, what we know about Ivanka Trump is that, at least what we're told by her lawyer, Abby Lowell, well, you remember Abby Lowell, um, w- what we're told is that she stopped using her personal email for government work many months ago, um, that she turned over her emails to be preserved. Um, so it's it's different. And then there's the other really big difference uh, that as far as we know, this was not a matter of emailing classified information, which was a, which was a big issue with, with Hillary Clinton. So it is different, but that doesn't make it any less politically tone deaf and ridiculously dumb. It's the optics of it that really just, I think, are baffling. Yep. And I do think that once Democrats are there, they're going to have to pick their spots. And and as part of the changeover here, we talk about Pelosi taking things over. She's going to be restraining a lot of the a lot of the wild impulses that they may have on 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 the hill in the coming months. Yes, that's not that's not the Pelosi game. And I think it just remind it'll remind a lot of people what Pelosi's value is in this as someone who did this once before. Literally the same situation. She became House Speaker with a Republican president. There were a lot of things to look at in the Bush presidency, and she she worked with President Bush by the way. Sure did. She and, sure did. And I think that's part of her argument, I'm sure, that she's making is that she has the experience that no one can corral sort of this, this unruly, eager bunch uh, better than Nancy Pelosi. And also, don't forget that Pelosi has quite an interesting record with this president. Uh, she has been able to best him at, at every twist and turn so far. She's been able to, in some cases, get him to go against his own party to agree to things and side with Democrats. 
And you know, she doesn't even have a nickname from the president yet. We'll see how long that lasts. But oh. she will, you know, she is well aware that the Democrats run a risk in going to gangbusters on the investigations. They say they know that. They say they're going to rein themselves in. But, man, they are just so eager up there. And it'll be interesting to see how she can kind of keep them in line. All right. Well, on that note, I think we are entirely out of time. Rick, we were going to use a lot. We were going to play a lot of the president's interview with Chris Wallace. We didn't do that. Uh, you know, there's a lot we didn't get to on this Powerhouse Politics podcast, but there's a lot we did get to. I agree with that. And there were even a follow-up question or two. I mean, <laughs> this is and, history. And, and this is a special Thanksgiving edition, so I want to say uh, what I am thankful here. I'm thankful that we had Mary Bruce uh, join us for the Thanksgiving podcast. I'm thankful to work with such first-rate colleagues, even you, Rick. Oh. Um, I mean, I think you're a sound mind. You're, you're you're not always right in your political prognostications, but uh, but at least you can say prognostication. Um, so I, I appreciate it. I want to be especially thankful for our team here at Powerhouse Politics. Um, Avery Miller, who works so hard, she landed us this booking today of, of Mary Bruce. Uh, I want to I uh, thank uh, thank uh, our, our Avery Miller, Angie Yak, and you know particularly I have to say Trevor Hastings. Out of retirement, Trevor. Thanks he, for doing it. He showed that. up. He showed up for the podcast. Thank you for listening. Have a great Thanksgiving, and we will talk to you again next week. <laughs> <laughs>